You've got to have everything in place every time you go out there to win 30. you got to be lucky. you got to get all the breaks. They've got to score runs for you early. All of those things will make you have a good year. Former Major League pitcher Denny McClain today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. In all of Major League Baseball history, going back well over 100 years, there's only been a handful of pitchers who have won 30 or more games in a single season. And that very short list includes names like Cy Young, Grover Cleveland Alexander, Dizzy Dean, and the last to do it, Denny McLean. It was on September 14, 1968, that right-hander Denny McLean, pitching for the Detroit Tigers, struck out 10 en route to his 30th win over the Oakland Athletics. Fast forward from that day, almost exactly 20 years, and that's when I met him. So here now, from 1988, Denny McLean. I don't remember a lot about the ball game, um, and I don't remember much about the entire season. It was kind of a blur. It was such a good time, you, uh, you know, and when you're having a good time, you don't look back. I, um, I do remember a number of items that occurred that day. One, Reggie Jackson hit two home runs off me on the same pitch twice. I threw him a hanging curveball the first time. I didn't think he could do it again, and I hung it in the same place the second time, <laughs> and he hit it farther. Um, and I remember jumping into the dugout of the Tiger dugout and hitting my head in the top. It was a very <laughs> solid cement in that dugout, and uh, about knocked me out. Now, there's a very famous photograph that appeared in Sports Illustrated with Al Kaline with his arm around me. Um, what actually the truth of the matter was, K-Line, while he was congratulating me, was also steadying me coming out of the dugout. I mean, I really bashed my head. Of course, I remember the Horton double to win the ball game. Um, I remember, this is all in the same inning, by the way. I remember Danny Cater throwing the ball away at home plate. Um, you know, I still think Cater was on our payroll that day. It was <laughs> such an easy play to make. And uh, my wife threw a terrific party after the ball game. We had a terrific time. And one of the greatest World Series uh, in, in modern times. It sure was. Listen, L- Mickey Lolich made my season. Uh, Mickey, who had not pitched well at all all year, and he'd got his brains beaten out, uh, all of a sudden became the hero of the World Series and won three ball games. Um, because winning 30 ball games was an accomplishment, but it would not have shined as bright had we not won the World Series. Uh, and Mickey uh, certainly added to uh, the shining of that perf- of that year. Was there too much pressure on you the following year? Did they expect you to win 30 again? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, I was ahead of the schedule at one time, um, and I won 24 the next year. But, uh, you know, it, it's like I've always said, you've got to have everything in place every time you go out there to win 30. It's um, you got to be lucky. you got to get all the breaks. They've got to score runs for you early. Uh, you got to get a game once in a while. You know, half of your ball games, you got to get three or four runs early, so the tension and the pressure on your shoulder is not as great. You can relax a little bit. All of those things uh, cumulatively will will make you have a good year. Um, sixty nine, I had a good year, and I thought I pitched better in sixty nine than I did sixty eight. But I struck out a hundred guys less, and there were a number of things that happened in sixty eight. They reduced the size of the mound. They reduced it from sixteen inches to ten inches. And that was a dramatic thing uh, for to happen to me because I used as much leverage as I could. And uh, starting in late 67, of course, I had a lot of shoulder problems. And in 69 is when I really got into cortisone. You had a great form. I used to love to watch you pitch. You know, and, and I was, we were talking about that the other day. I don't know how that ever came about. I have no idea. But But my idol, as you know, growing up near the Chicago area, was Bob Rush with the Chicago Cubs. And that's the reason I wore number 17. That 
is the only reason. And Rush had kind of a high kick and was a big power pitcher back in, in the late 50s. And um, uh, that's where I think I got it from. Wow. Who did you most fear coming into the batter's box? There was only one guy that really beat my brains out, and he beat it out all the t- beat him out all the time. It was Boog Powell, uh, Mister Beer Light himself. Um, <laughs> I just could not get Boog out. Boog was um, a guy. I it got so bad at one time. He used to tell him what was coming, and then I would tell him <laughs> another pitch and throw another pitch, and he'd still hit it. So it didn't make any difference. But he owned me. Um, and yet, the most significant thing that happened in 1968 with Boog Powell is. The Baltimore Orioles in the first or second inning of the ball game had men on first and second and nobody out, and I never beat Baltimore. Um, and Boog Powell hit into a triple play back to me. It was a line drive back to me. I threw the second, and they threw it on the first. We won the ball game easily after that. But that's, that was the most dramatic moment of the season for us. I mean, it was uh, one of the turning points. And next year, of course, this in 69, that was really the Orioles year. And, and you know, you were saying a moment ago that you pitched better in 69. But, you know, it's, it occurs to me that no matter how good a team is, if there's another team that's even better, you know, what can you do? Well, every dog has its day. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and uh, I always said in the, in the middle, late 60s, the best ball club in baseball was the Baltimore Orioles. They had uh, terrific pitching. They were deep in the bullpen, and they had every at every position they had guys who knew how to play the game, and that means a lot more than having a lot of talent. Although they they were also very talented, that was as talented as a ball club as I've ever seen. They talk about the Cincinnati Reds in the middle seventies. Listen, that Baltimore club ate up everybody, uh, and their pitching kept everybody else off the bases. When you take the Frank Robinsons and the Boog Powells and the Brooke Robinsons, and you put them out there. It's tough to beat guys like that because they're they're so experienced and they know the conditions and they know the situations in the game, and that means more than than great talent. Sure. You've had a few strikes against you to to weigh to balance against the those glory moments of yours. There have been a few ups and a, a few downs. Um, the downs, of course, the most dramatic being when I went to jail for thirty months. Uh, but fortunately for me, the system has checks and balances in it. The Court of Appeals in Atlanta, they reversed and uh, threw out the conviction. Unfortunately, now on the downside that uh, the government's talking about doing it again in October of this year, uh, we don't understand uh, why it's it's absurd to waste this kind of money uh, to pursue me, uh, and hopefully we can resolve it before then. But uh, uh, if we have to go to trial, we'll be ready. Does it seem to you, though, like everyone is going to jail these days, that there's no stigma attached to it anymore? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there's not a stigma attached to it. I don't think uh, you can o- ever overcome that. I, uh, It's something that um, I wake up with every day, and I think about it. Maybe the general public doesn't think about it as much. And, and I suppose there's some truth to that because, you know, you read so much about so many different people and so many different walks of life. Uh, while it's not a generally acceptable thing, I don't think any of us really waste a lot of time about thinking about other people's problems. Uh, you know, we we all have so many other things that we have to take care of. We have our own families, have our own children, have our own bills to pay, um, so that we can't waste a lot of time. We may have sympathy and compassion for others, but uh, we certainly don't have enough time. And we all like to get involved, I think, when somebody is down. But resources uh, probably prevent from uh, prevent us from prevent a lot of us from being able to do that. I'm sure that everyone must ask you everywhere you go, every public appearance you make, what happened? What went wrong? Well, a number of things. Um, 
made a lot of stupid errors in judgment. Um, as I wrote the book, there were over 2,000 pages that I hand wrote. Um, toughest thing was editing it down to the 300 pages or so that uh, we've had to put together. Uh, but I noticed a trend. Um, and while I always thought that I was not very good at details, it became so obvious it was like being hit with a 747. Um, I just have never, ever dotted the I's and crossed the T's. I've never really relied on the people around me to make decisions for me. Um, and when I, and, and it seems like as I, as I got into this thing, the more I, the more there was resistance, the more I wanted to do it. Um, bullheadedness, uh, ego, of course, uh, greed, of course, but, um, it was just the, the details. It, had I checked some of the things out in my life that I should have the way all good businessmen do, I wouldn't have had, would not have had any problems or very few. Uh, and that's the most unfortunate thing. I, I now know better, but, uh, it's way after the fact. But you're not any more gullible or any more, uh, you know, uh, what, unsuspecting than the rest of us, are you? I don't, I don't know. Um, my wife thinks that anybody can come to my front door and sell anything. <laughs> I'm the guy, let me tell you how bad I am. I'm the guy that when you see an 800 number on television, I'm one of those guys they're getting to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, there isn't any 800 thing that I don't think I've called for. The operators are standing by and they pick up the phone. Hi, Denny. <laughs> they, and they don't even say, uh, Mr. McLean. You're, they just said, hello, Denny. How are you today? Um, I go for all of it. And um, uh, But, you I, know, when a woman does that, they say, oh, she's just an impulse shopper. That's the way women are. But a man's not supposed to do that, are they? I'm very impulsive, obviously. I uh, Maybe a man isn't supposed to do that. I know this guy's done it for a long time, and my wife Sharon is real tired of it, but... Uh, you know, every Japanese knife I have and every Vegematic I have, you know, I've got all of those things. And, and don't ask me why. It's it's just an impulse. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I work on it. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if if you become a an 800 junkie. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> what it's all about. But, uh, you know, I've uh, I'm just terrible at details. I want to do everything that comes before me seems like an opportunity. And I never look at the downside, and obviously it's caused me some problems. Is there one question that you're asked everywhere you go by everyone you meet that you wish you could answer one more time and then you'd never have to hear it again? The Mickey Mantle story uh, where, uh, you know, I was accused of giving of allowing Mantle to hit a home run. Um, although I enjoy telling the story, that it, it has become a little redundant because Mickey has told it in his book, we've told it in our book, and... And uh, it's a great story on a speaking tour at dinners and, and et cetera. Uh, but on radio, television, or even a newspaper, it's tough to tell the whole story because it takes about 20 minutes to tell. And and I hate to give it not what it deserves because it, cause it took about uh, eight or ten minutes for Mantle to actually hit the ball. And the bottom line was, despite the fact that I threw the ball in for Mick to hit, he still had to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Because, you know, the home run hitting contest they have around the Major League Parks, and they give guys ten pitches to hit. Most of the time, guys don't hit one out of the ballpark. And Mandel had one strike, one chance, and he hit it out of the ballpark. So, And Mickey was my idol. You know, they talk about Ted Williams, and they talk about uh, uh, Mel Ott, and they talk about Ty Cobb. It's only one Mickey Mantle. And he's a national treasure. He will always, always will be because he played the game the way it was supposed to be played. Denny McLean swept the MVP and Cy Young voting in 1968, and he won the Cy Young the next year, 1969 as well, but then his career was cut short by rotator cuff injuries. Denny McLean is 75 now, and he has never made it to baseball's Hall of Fame.
Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, she played Lois Lane in TV's The Adventures of Superman in the 1950s. My 2003 interview with actress Noelle Neal. Kids in the colleges always used to ask, they say, oh, come on now, Lois, you know, how come you didn't recognize Clark Kent was really Superman? And I just said, I didn't want to lose my job. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. 